Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of Church and State. We are continuing to talk about the uh, the mandates that the state of Rhode Island has been experiencing. We're now in day, I, what is it, Jess? Day 571? That's right. Of uh, a state of emergency. So um, over well over a year and a half. And w- with that state of emergency, we've just seen all kinds of things happening to state government. Uh, less less legislative roles, unfortunately, um, uh, less checks and balances. We're seeing uh, an overreach of executive power, even the erosion of some of the religious liberties and other freedoms uh, that we've we've enjoyed. So, um, Jess, there was the the healthcare workers. Maybe we could just start with that. There were, mm-hmm. We'll talk maybe about a few things. Um, they were the healthcare workers that were taking their case to the federal court uh, right here in Rhode Island, the district court, and um, they lost that case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were watching it and I was blown away by the, um, it, it seemed like an unjudicial demeanor of the judge, um, many times interrupting the, uh, uh, Joe Larissa, the, uh, attorney representing some of these healthcare workers that were, that were fired. Um, what was your impression? The same as anyone who watched it, which was, it seemed as though she was doing the job for the state's attorney. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, at times she would have just asked him a question and say, yeah, yeah. Don't you think this is right? And he'd nod his head. Yes. So yep, yes, yes, your honor. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was disturbing to watch. Yeah. And then meanwhile, she she's combative. Cross, yeah. She was cross examining. You're the, right about that. She was a cross examining, um, Larissa, the plaintiff's attorney, mm-hmm. Joe Larissa. And, yeah. Cutting him off, um, you know, constantly challenging what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, she would finish the sentences of the uh, the right. state attorney. So definitely didn't seem impartial. Felt like she made up her mind before she went in there. Yeah, but um, you know, it, so it seems like a setback. But mm-hmm. um, anyone who's watching was really prepared for what was about to happen, and so it looks as though you know if if. If uh, Mr. Larissa isn't successful in Boston mm-hmm. um, with his appeal, mm-hmm. then the next step would have to be the uh, United States Supreme Court. So he'll, he's willing to take his case all the way up to the top. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a, a positive development in New York because a very similar case yes. with a similar religious exemption kind of denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... It, the appeals court, I think, granted that, like, right. uh, uh, agreed with them. So that was, that's good. That's very positive. I think maybe there's some hope for us. Um, is it next week? I don't know when the appeals I don't think court's going to pick yeah, it up. I don't know when. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, and there was the uh, Freedom Rally as well. What, um, yeah. what was your takeaway from, from Friday's event? October 1st was a big day for healthcare workers it was. Um, for weeks, months, at least maybe a month now, they had been told by October 1st, if they weren't vaccinated, they would not be able to enter the buildings. They would lose and their some jobs. Some of them lost their jobs. Others have not. Um, it was, it was tough because some of the healthcare workers 
were really emotional. They mm-hmm. didn't want to leave their position, but they also felt they had no choice. Some of them were not granted their medical um, exemptions, even mm-hmm. though they have had them for for numerous years. Uh, religious exemptions were not honored. And uh, there were also some, some doctors there that were concerned that um, their license might be revoked. Mm. So very... Uh, very somber, but still, I don't want to say defiant because that's not really the word, but um, really, they're just principled people. Right. I saw holding a lo- fast to those convictions yes. of theirs. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I saw a lot of resolution, just mm-hmm. like they had made up their mind uh, weeks ago, months ago, and you know, other people, um, they decided to get vaccinated, but these folks had very strong conscientious or religious uh, considerations Mm -hmm. and were not going to budge. My take was a little different. I, of course, there were a lot of people who were, um, who were sad about what, what they were experiencing, but there was also, I, I, am I wrong to say it just seemed to be like a, not a celebratory thing, but it was not negative or somber. There was a lot of like, um, like joyful defiance is the only way I could put it. Did you sense that or is it just me? Well, I, I talked to a few people that were like very teary eyed Oh yeah. and you know, one woman, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm mm. my sole breadwinner in my home. So I think it depends on everybody's situation, mm-hmm. but the few people that I spoke to, there were a few, I spoke to a lot of people, but um, they were just, they were heartbroken. Mm-hmm. But then there were others that were like a joyful mood. Like, you know, I've made my decision. I'm, I'm content with my decision. And so, they were happy yeah. that, or um, I think they took some pride in the fact that they were able to stick to their convictions, yeah. which is not an easy thing because many of them are now totally being dismissed from not just their jobs. These are their careers. These are their livelihoods. They're the breadwinner, single moms, families that are impacted by this. Sometimes husbands and wives, both, you know, looking Mm at the, uh, the ends of their employment. So, um, it was, uh, it was not a strange day. I don't want it to sound like it was a weird day, but it was, it was, um, it was, Definitely the most interesting uh, sort of rally that I've been to for something like that. What are some of the, um, uh, are there any like anecdotes or stories that you think people who weren't there, um, anything you would want to share? I saw a lot of um, Second Amendment flags. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the uh, yellow flags and the and the two-way folks were there? Well, some of them are going to be healthcare workers. And I think there are individuals who feel... And I feel this with them, that their constitutional rights are constantly being challenged in this state Mm -hmm. from Second Amendment to First Amendment freedoms. During the pandemic, we saw um, churches being shut down. And, you know, I I, I just recently said to someone, I supported individuals' rights to protest when they felt injustice. And there was a lot of turmoil happening during the pandemic and thousands of people would hit the streets and they would protest. And 
And then when churches decided, you know, well, this is part of our First Amendment rights, we're going to open and we'll do it safely, we'll social distance or we'll meet outside or whatever. And uh, the government was like, no, you, you can't meet. But there was almost like this double standard in which some individuals were allowed to exercise their First Amendment rights while uh -huh. others were not. Um, so, you know, I, that's the way I look at it. it. It's not really just about the Second Amendment. It's all of your constitutional rights mm -hmm. being slowly eroded here in Rhode Island. And how important it is to stand up for your rights. Yeah. It was good to see... Um so many people recognized you. I saw a lot of people asking for pictures. That was with surprising. You. Yeah, it was great to see people just kind of. They would stop me and be like, "Hey, you know." Yeah, yeah, and a lot of those are folks you've never met before. No, no, I've never met these folks before. Yeah. But um, you know, I stand in, in solidarity with them, and I took an oath to defend, to uphold the Constitution, and I take that that responsibility very seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now. A lot of them were saying, you know, no one else is speaking up. You're, you're the only one there. I was grateful to see Senator Gordon Rogers and Senator Elaine Morgan there. Yeah. What were some of the things they brought up? Because they spoke just before you you got up to speak. Yeah, they they feel very, very passionate as well. Um, they may not be very vocal on, um, on Twitter or Facebook. I just happen to be because I, you know, I'm... I'm a different age bracket than them. And so I understand how important uh, social media can be today. But Well, that's where people live. Yeah. So they they feel just as fervent, I believe, about uh, protecting constitutional rights. And Senator Rogers was talking about his daughter who, single mom, mm -hmm. put herself through school while, you know, she had a baby. Um, you know, she ended up having more children. I think she ended up having three kids. And she was finishing her nursing degree, put herself through college, uh, never took any, you know, government assistance. And he said, and now, now that she went through all that work to become a nurse, it could all be taken away from her because she doesn't, um, she doesn't believe in, 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 in getting vaccinated. And that, I mean, what were you going to say? You were going to tell me. Well, it's just, um, it, it's one story of thousands. Yeah. Because. She's got this student loan debt and she had her career path kind of laid out and doing the best she could as a mom. So it's, um, it's heartbreaking. You know, yeah. we see it in the church and, and, um, I, I get emails and you're getting emails all the time from people yeah. wondering why in the world would the governor do this? And I, 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 I in times like this, it's important to be able to see things from the other person's perspective. I, mm -hmm. I do believe that the governor's trying to do his best and he's trying to deal with a pandemic and i think a lot of people are very afraid of it and he's trying to mm -hmm. he, he's insisting or his health department is insisting on uh a hundred percent vaccinations uh for any of these healthcare workers um yeah but you being a leader means that you have to take every every variable that you that you're aware of into consideration and this is not just a you know, what we're doing to these individuals when, let's look at it this way. There's 94% compliance with vaccinations at these state hospitals. Does it make sense to punish that 6% when we have a healthcare crisis on our hands? Mm -hmm. Does it make sense when the the herd immunity is anywhere between 70 to 90% of people vaccinated? So if you have 
over 90% of people vaccinated, mm-hmm. we've met that threshold of, of herd, herd immunity. Yeah. So it is heavy handed. Right. It's it is an, unnecessary. In economics, they, they call it diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, once you've gotten to that 96%, to get the extra 4%, you're going to have to do a lot of pain. It's going to take enormous effort to get that extra 4%. And is it worth it? I think what we're now experiencing are those diminishing returns. Right. You are now firing and ending the careers of very intelligent uh, very compassionate people, and also people of strong convictions. I right. don't think we should be penalizing them. And many of them, you heard these stories. Many of them are now moving. They're going to either move to Massachusetts where they can still practice, or they're going to move to Florida or Texas or that's the truth. Know, one of those states. Yeah. It's sad because Rhode Island is just one of what uh, two or four states that has this strict of a um, vaccination policy. Even California allows for reasonable accommodations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're talking like, I would say arguably the most liberal state, maybe Hawaii is more liberal than California. I'm, they can fight over that, you know, that title, that, that title. But um, so, yeah. And Rhode Island is so small. Mm-hmm. So I forget that we're, you know, not living in the middle of Texas and it's, it's going to be hard for us to leave the state. Yeah. It doesn't take long to leave the state. And, you know, I was talking to a woman on Sunday. She said, I found a job in Fall River and they're going to honor my religious exemption. And guess what? I make a lot more there. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, that seems like a no brainer to me. Well, that was something we were praying for at the church, that this would not just be a dead end for people, but this would lead to promotion, that this would lead to other open doors and new opportunities and businesses maybe would come out of it, new, uh, sort of a new vision for for their life. Um, So it's, um, I guess the the thing that I saw, you know, if it wasn't joyful defiance, it was faith. It was just faith. That's a good word. It was faith. Yeah. I was having a hard time putting my finger on it throughout the day, but I just think it was it was just this boldness uh, that no one is going to have a say over my body but me. And there's something really empowering about that, especially when they pay such a big price. So it, um, I'm, I'm so proud of them for standing firm mm. in their convictions. Yeah. It's easy for me to say, but they're the ones really living it out. But I just wanted to affirm them today and tell them they are not alone. They, they were joined by, a, you know, there are hundreds of people and hundreds mm-hmm. more that weren't able to attend the rally that are with them. And then there are families and friends that are also supportive to them. So this is, this is not the end for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm thinking lastly of the healthcare workers working at the state hospitals, that's the Eleanor Slater hospitals, the two of them, the two campuses, and then the veterans home. Just yesterday, the governor had said that, um, they have another 30 days. If the hospital rec- it considers them an essential employee, they can remain in the hospital. So well, they're all essential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like that's a very nice and generous gesture, but it's really only until the hospital can find a vaccinated individual to replace them. So it's more like, as I, I, I would liken it to, you know, a piece of PPE equipment where mm-hmm. we're going to use you, but once we're done with you, we're going to throw you away. Right. So, um, I, I, I take issue with how the governor has handled this and, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and maybe he's not receiving the best counsel. I'm not sure. But again, it's heavy handed when you compare yourself to other States and when you have a 94% compliance at the hospital, again, do you mm. really punish those 6% of those people that are willing 
to wear PPE that are willing to get tested. I mean, again, just too far. Right. Right. Yeah. It, um, it was a heavy handed approach for sure. And I can only hope that he's going to, um, bend and be way more flexible after, after seeing what happened today. (laughs) Or maybe when the Supreme court says so. I mean, I really feel confident that if it makes its way to the Supreme court, we're going to win that because the court has over and over again, doubled down on first amendment issues and even second amendment, but first amendment issues, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Um, there's, uh, when I listened to the, the case that, uh, attorney Joe Larissa laid out. It, it was very compelling. I mean, he, he made a really, really strong case. So I'm hopeful. We'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. And I think the the big takeaway for me with attorney Larissa was if the hospital allowed for religious accommodations and didn't, I mean, uh, for medical exemptions mm-hmm. and not religious ones, that's, that's problematic. Right. If, if the hospital said no exemptions, right then we wouldn't have be we, we wouldn't be having this conversation but mm-hmm. because they allowed for one and not the other right it was a form of discrimination, discrimination. Mm-hmm. exactly yeah. so i'm cautiously optimistic right we'll see yeah. we'll see keep our fingers crossed keep praying um and uh, th- there was the uh, the developments this week where a lot of pastors started gathering uh, together and and organizing started sharing a letter i did not draft it it was actually drafted by others and i kind of tweaked it and added my two cents to it, but it was uh, put together by several pastors and it's the, uh, the letter was delivered on Friday to, um, to governor McKee's uh, inbox. Mm-hmm. And it was signed by uh, over 30 pastors, I think about 35. And they keep signing and, and people they, keep signing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was it? I think uh, uh, Thursday morning, we probably had about 12, and then there were 30 this morning. Um, by the afternoon, uh, Friday, we had about 40. So uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to continue to build that list and make sure the governor knows that there are a lot of people that are not just healthcare workers, but they're pastors and mm-hmm. the pastors who are praying for them. I mean, they're talking about it on Sundays. They're talking about it at prayer meetings and at Bible studies and they're constantly encouraging these people because the last couple of weeks it's been consuming for at least in our church. I mean, I know that the pastors here, we've been taking a lot of phone calls, taking a lot of phone calls, uh, writing a lot of emails, putting together letters, helping people, guiding them, pointing them in the right direction, helping them to organize amongst themselves, counseling them. You know, when they lose these jobs, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's so hard to believe that, it's it's surreal to me because two months ago these were folks that had very successful businesses, steady careers. They kind of they had job security. Mm-hmm. And I mean, within any two job, mo- right? Within two months, not even within five or six weeks, that was all uh, being threatened. And now there's a lot of instability and insecurity about that. But um, so I think that's when pastors started realizing there's something very bad here, something wrong going on. And people reaching out to the pastors, asking for help, asking for prayer. And pastors are shepherds. We're supposed to protect the flock, encourage the flock, guide the flock. So we've been um, responding to that. And um, uh, we wrote a strong letter telling the governor that we oppose these mandates, especially the erosion of things like the religious exemption. And we urge him to reconsider that. And I'm hopeful that he will... Um, You'll take a look at that that um, letter, read it carefully, and um, 
back backtrack on these uh, mandates. You're not so um, full of faith on that. No, this is a quote that I love, and I butcher it every time, but it's something I always try to live by, which is um, people are always showing you who they are. Believe them the first time, mm -hmm. and I think the governor showed us several times that um, this is not something that he's really concerned about or really has compassion towards individuals that have this different point of view. And, you know, when you're in the minority, it's a tough place to be because it's an overwhelming majority and they have all this power and they can coerce you into this, into this, uh, position where you have to take the vaccine mm -hmm. or you lose your job. And, uh, do I think that he's going to bend? I think the I, I I don't see it. I think that the courts will make him bend if the courts decide that this is uh, unconstitutional. So, um, but again, I'm cautiously optimistic because I do believe that uh, as this goes to the Supreme Court, which I think it will, that we will be victorious and individuals will find vindication in that. I hope so. I mean, you've been, um, I know it's been a long week for you and you've been exhausted by the fight, but you've, <laughs> you, uh, you've also been invigorated by it. Like, um, you, no one had to ask you to fight it. You, you've had this thing burning in your belly where you wanted to take it on. And even it, during the pandemic, mm -hmm. it was even the, the same, oh, I was like, you cannot tell people that they cannot worship Mm -hmm. They cannot come together and worship. Right. And so it's kind of just been building. Yeah. And, and then I thought, okay, things are better. First Amendment's being respected. And then here we are back to square one. It seems like the thing that bothers you the most is like that nanny state approach where we're, we're being coddled like, like children, mothered. like baby. Yeah, we're being mothered when we are grown adults and, you know, people are are willing to, whether it's take the risk or follow their convictions or their conscience or their religious belief, this is what um, they want to do. And they, they should have the freedom and the autonomy over their own body and their own decisions to make that without having the state interfere in a very private uh, decision. Yeah. And here's the other thing. As I'm learning more and more about pandemics and and health crisis is, is that we look back at uh, the smallpox mm -hmm. and vaccinations were mandatory, but they were enacted through the legislature, mm -hmm. not through no, emergency powers. No executive order for no the smallpox executive vaccine. order. Interesting. Went to the legislature. And interestingly enough, even though that was a pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was obviously Salt Fox is very dangerous. They still allow for religious exemptions. Hmm. Hmm. But not for this. But not for this. Right. And uh, and smallpox. I mean, that <laughs> was uh, a very scary disease. Yes, it was. I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we pretty much eradicated it, yeah. with the exception with of two herd laboratories. immunity, because the majority of individuals were vaccinated, mm -hmm. but they still allowed for exemptions. Right. So I think we, we keep, you know, when I, when I talk really to immigrants and some of them were at the rally where we're saying, America, I came here because this was the land of the free, where a person was respected, their beliefs were respected, and they could live freely. They could follow their conscience. 
And I think that our, you know, if we're not careful, we keep, um, we keep allowing for these erosions of yeah. our, of our rights. Do you think, because a lot of these nurses were apolitical, I don't think these were people that, you know, they, they didn't all vote for Trump. You know, they weren't, um, oh my God, no, folks. no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I took some firefighters were like, uh, Republicans are the only ones that are fighting for us. Yeah, and they've never voted for a Republican. No. They told you, you know, I've always held signs for McKee or for Democrats. And this is, yeah. you know, when I needed them the most, they're, they're, they've totally abandoned me and turned their back on me. Yeah. And it seems and, like the Republicans. Really and I've had some people say, I will never vote for a Democrat again. Wow. So I think this is that's a, what I'm wondering. Do you think that there's, with, with some of these folks and thousands of them were impacted, do you think this is politically like a, um, a, a shift, like that they've been red pilled? Well, I don't think there's going to be a red, huge, you know, red wave in Rhode Island. Do I think we can pick up a few seats? Sure, I think I think so. But I think two things could happen: either those Democrat voters have no reason to come out mm -hmm. because they're not they're not excited by any of the candidates. In mm -hmm. fact, they feel you know lukewarm about the whole situation. Like, meh, why bother voting? Yeah, you know, no yeah. one, no one really stood up for my my rights. Um, or they, like some of the individuals I talk to, they, they do become political and, and they become engaged and, and vote Republican. I mean, it's one or the other. I do see that they, um, they were really disheartened by their democratic leadership, but even union representation, they Oof. were, I know for the Providence firefighters, I heard they had a three and a half hour slugfest where the union members had to convince their union leadership to fight for them and advocate for them. And then they eventually relented and, uh, and spoke to the, uh, to the, I think the city of Providence or the police uh, fire chief about trying to get some sort of an exe exemption passed. Mm -hmm. So it was just interesting to see how there was a lot of infighting within the union to see unions to see if there would be better representation. It didn't really, you know, it kind of had, it was a, a mixed bag of whether or not they were successful. You so. pay dues for representation. Mm -hmm. You pay dues so that when you're in a tough spot, the union, the union rep represents you, fights yeah. for you. Yeah. And if you're in a union and they won't do that for you, then why are you paying dues? Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. Right. Is that money for politicians so that they, their lobby can become more powerful or are those dues to help you, the individual? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad to see some unions stand up for their, their people while others didn't. Yeah. Well, it was a, like I said, a big week, a lot of developments here. Um, my understanding is that the, the healthcare workers have now have that 30 day extension period, right? Uh, where governor McKee is going state to state hospitals just for state hospitals. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't, I haven't heard anything about lifespan, whether or not they're going to honor it as well, or they're going to be more flexible. I heard as late as like Thursday that they were drafting 300 letters. At least one person was drafting like hundreds of letters to, to fire some, some people. Yeah. Maybe that wasn't lifespan. It might've been a different hospital, but, but uh, a lot of these, um, a lot of these hospitals seem to be very resolute that they were going to be letting people go. Yeah. Yeah. They're and we're for the hospitals that. for sure. But I've mm -hmm. heard of other, um, other employers. They seen the writing on the wall and they're, they're going to allow for these exemptions, these medical exemptions mm -hmm. and religious exemptions. But, you know, um, I just, I, I have to say, I, 
when I saw those individuals fighting for their rights, it really renewed my faith mm. that that things are going to be okay, mm-hmm. and we are we're going to keep fighting for our rights. Yeah, and um, people have the resolve to 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 keep going, and so things look bleak sometimes, but um, we can't look at the here and now. We have to see, you know, what, what are the, the possible outcomes? And I think the the possible outcomes are really good. I just hope that this brings about some change here in this state. I hope so too. I, yeah. And I'm hopeful as well, especially when you see people standing up and doing it so consistent, consistent, so consistently, right. Mm-hmm. For several weeks and, um, and being joined by family and friends and a lot of supporters as people were driving by the, um, mm-hmm. the protests in front of the state house on Friday, there was a lot of horns and a lot of waving and, and, um, and, and, and support for these workers. So I know they're not alone and I, I hope that they know that there's a lot of support for them out there. You know, I had to pull up so Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. we, we just got a hamster here on the house. and Yes, Sir we, Winston, because he's short and, and chubby. And chubby. <laughs> but he does have hair, which is something Winston Churchill did not have much of. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I posted a, a quote on my page, and I I just loved his tenacity and mm-hmm. his, you know, his, his, he just didn't give up. Right, right. Right. So, and the quote is, never give so, in. So we're giving the closing quote right now. Okay, okay. We'll do the closing quote right now. Yep. Go for it. All right. Um, Winston Churchill, he said, never give in, never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Don't quit. Don't give up. We'll see you next week for Church and State. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 